Uh, Take your Bible, you may be seated, turn to Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, and I'll be honest with you, I probably am more excited about tonight's Bible study than anyone I've done in the entire book of Romans, just so you know. It may not be as exciting to you as it is to me, but uh, this one's just, uh, this one's just the bomb, amen? Uh, Romans chapter 5, we're going to read... <laughs> Did I say something? <laughs> what was that? Hey, I don't care. I was an adult then too. <laughs> I had kids then. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Romans chapter 5, look at verse number 9. We're going to read uh, quite a few verses. Actually, we'll read through the rest of the chapter here, so follow along with me. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, watch this next statement, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Notice the word reconciled. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man... Sin entered the world in death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For unto the law, uh, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over uh, them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offenses, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abound unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was uh, by one the commandment, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might be, might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, uh, I read a lot of scripture there. It sounds like a lot of double talk. I'll help you with it in just a moment. Let me start the uh, Bible lesson tonight with something that will illustrate the truth probably better than anything that I know. Years ago, I was preaching in a distant state. I think I was preaching in the Kansas City, Independence, Missouri area. I'm pretty sure that was the state that I was in. Uh, I was probably still in a state of confusion, though. Uh, I was seated in the pastor's office, and I noticed something on his bookshelf that I had never seen in anybody's office before. 
On the shelf, sitting on one side, was a teddy bear. It looked like a dog had gotten a hold of it, chewed it up, flipped the stuffings out of it, and just uh, ran it through the mud a few times. It was tattered, it was torn, it was rugged. Sitting right beside it was a brand new bear of the same type of bear. I looked at it. I had to ask. I said, preacher, you got to tell me, why the two bears? You have to understand, this is a big, rough, tough Cajun. I mean, big enough to eat grizzly bears for breakfast, old ladies for lunch, and old men for dinner. Uh, just a tough guy. This big old grizzly bear of a man began to weep. He said, Preacher, before I got saved, I was mean as a devil himself. He said, that's the old bear. He said, but when God saved me, he turned me into a new one. That's the new one. He said, I don't ever want to forget it. And every day of my life, I look at those two bears, remember what it was and what God's done for me. Wow. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm going to show you something here that is not taught well and not taught right most of the time. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse number 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, that means if we're saved, correct? Okay. If any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I want you to notice something. God doesn't say he, re, he, he improves the old creature. He takes you from being one creature and turns you into another right. creature. He doesn't clean up the old creature. He turns you into something completely new. That word passed away. Uh, we'll, we'll say uh, last uh, week I got a text from somebody saying that somebody I knew had passed away. They had died. God said, old things die. Behold, all things become new. Uh, the old creature of our sinful flesh is to pass away. And we're to make all things new. He's not just there to uh, clean up the old. He makes us new, listen to this, in standing with him. Our standing with God goes from disobedient, sinful, unrighteous, on our way to hell, to once we trust, in, we trust Christ, he's imputed the righteousness of Jesus, he's forgiven us, he's pardoned us, and we're cleaned up, and now he wants to reconcile us so that we can be together with him. Wow. In other words, the old man, by our offenses, is dead, but he creates us New. You, we read in Romans chapter 5 several times, as by the disobedience of one, many were made sinners. That's talking about Adam. But by the obedience of one, who is the obedience of one? The second Adam, Jesus Christ. But by the obedience of one, many were made righteous. Not by our righteousness, but by his righteousness. Now, God wants to 
reconcile us. What I just showed you is what the Bible calls being reconciled. You are taken from being old and turned into something new, something that's unwanted to something that is wanted in God's standing. Not necessarily man's, but God's standing. Now, as a lost person, we are, the Bible says, the enemy or at enmity with God. We're lost in our trespasses and sin. We are going against salvation because we're trusting our own way to get to heaven and not trusting him. But watch this. Once we get saved, we are to be reconciled as his children. When we get into Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8, hang on. It talks about being born again. Then it talks about an adoption. Did you know you're a two, two-fold child of God? You're his twice. It's exciting. But the only way that we can get that is if he reconciles us. You see, God is the one who does the reconciling at salvation. We don't do it. We don't do the reconciling God does. It has to be done from the higher power to the lower power. And just as he justifies, just as he imputes Jesus' righteousness on our account, we cannot reconcile ourselves to God in any way but by being saved. The gospel that Jesus paid for is what gives us reconciliation with God. It's a bookkeeping term. Uh, it literally means to restore or to bring back to or, or to make compatible or to bring in harmony with uh, something. And we are at God's enemy as a lost person, but when we get saved, God says not only are you saved, not only are you on your way to heaven, not only have you been justified, not only has Christ's righteousness been imputed, not only have, have your sins been atoned for, but also I'll reconcile you so that we can have fellowship one with another. I'll bring you back to where we have the ability to have fellowship one with another. Now, let me give you something that I hope will make you shout tonight. First of all, let's go back to the very beginning of what salvation is. Turn to John chapter 3. I'm going to make a statement here that I want you to get because everything hinges on this statement. And that is this. Salvation is a package deal. Salvation is a package deal. It's more than just getting fire insurance against hell in homeowners insurance in heaven. There's a whole big package that goes with salvation. You get the grace of God. You get justification. You get sanctification. You get the imputation of righteousness. You get all these things added to you. You get reconciliation and atonement. And we'll go through many of these other things that we've not yet talked about. And all those things come the moment you get saved. 
You don't do those things to get saved. You get those things when you get saved. Religion says, let me do these to get them. God says, no, I give them once you get saved. Let me show you something, and I'll prove that to you. Here we go. John chapter 3, look at verse number 1. There was a man uh, of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, and no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man, now what are the next words here? Be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter his mother's womb the second time and be born? Jesus answered and said unto uh, said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. Notice the capital S. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now water, is that baptism? No. That's a physical birth. What happens when a child is born? The mother's what? Water breaks. That's talking of a physical birth. You have to be born of the physical and you have to be born of the spirit. Look at verse number six. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's the water. But that which is born of the spirit, capital S, is spirit, small s. In other words, flesh births flesh. The spirit births our spirit. Wow. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Now, watch this. When a child's conceived... All that is necessary for human life begins. Let me use some, uh, and I'm being very sensitive and I, I get this, but when a child is conceived, everything necessary for life is conceived with it. All of the systems necessary for life. The respiratory system, the circulatory system, the nervous system, the endocrine system. You have the, the bone structures, the skeleton, you have your skin, you have all the components that make up life that are conceived all at one time. It's a package deal. Can I tell you something? That's what happens when you get saved. When you were born again by the Spirit of God, Everything necessary for the Christian life and a spiritual life and eternal life, they were conceived and all those systems started. Justification, imputation, atonement, forgiveness, pardon, reconciliation, sanctification. You don't go get those things one at a time. You don't hatch that baby and say, okay, well, it needs a digestive system. So we need to get all the things necessary for a kid to have a digestive system and open them up and put it in. Oh, no, they're born with that. That was started at conception. The moment that child is conceived, life begins. I don't care what they say. Now, when a person gets saved, all the necessary systems or functions for eternal life come with being born again.
By the way, listen to this statement. I'll come back to it at the end. The fetus does not provide these. They come from being conceived. It's not the fetus who develops these. It comes as a result of the conception. The child doesn't decide how big it's going to get and what's going to grow, when it's going to grow. Just like when a person gets saved. They don't decide all these different things that they're to get. God says, no, you don't have enough knowledge to know this. I'm going to give it to you. And as you grow, these things will grow with you. Now, when we get saved, we get pardoned. When we get saved, we get forgiven. When we get saved, we get justification. When we get saved, we get Jesus' righteousness imputed. When we get saved, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And all this happens at the very moment we trust Christ as our Savior. Just like at conception. It all happens at once. Let me add one thing to the list. When we get saved, we also get reconciled with God. Now, number two. God says because we get saved, he reconciles us to himself. Look at Romans chapter 5 again. This It's a... It's a the word uh, reconcile means to restore a friendly relationship with, to coexist in harmony, to make compatible. In other words, God takes that which causes a separation, takes that away so that we can have a relationship with him. There is a reconciling. I do a lot of marriage counsel. I have to help people reconcile their differences. Same thing. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse number 10. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. How? By the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, notice, God uses the term when we are enemies of God. When's that? When we're lost. When we're lost, we are the enemy of God. But when we get saved by the death of his son, <laughs> he reconciles us. We get born into the family of God. We get born again. And all the systems necessary come with that spiritual birth, that spiritual conception, and now we have the ability to walk with our God. We now have the ability to have a relationship with our God. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Romans, Corinthians, 1st and 2nd, Galatians, Ephesians. About, uh, oh, my Bible, it's about 55, 60 pages uh, to the right there. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Listen carefully. Let me help you with something here. And I'm about to shout. I'm going to shout while I read probably, so hang on. Ephesians 2, look at verse number 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, 
created. Oh, created. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, God foreordained the good works that we're supposed to do. How did he do it? Through the word of God. We're supposed to obey the Bible. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh, made by hands. And he goes through all these things about uh, how that we were far away and all these things. Now, I want you to skip down to verse number oh, 19 or so here. Uh, let's go back to verse seven, uh, 16. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And came and preached peace to you, which were far off to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together growth unto the holy temple in the Lord, in whom also ye are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Now watch this. Notice the word reconciled. We go from being the enemy to God to fellow citizens. And notice the change of relationship that takes place. Uh, you're no more strangers, foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. It's kind of like, boy, this is a bad illustration. It's like when you get married. They're no longer outlaws or in-laws. They're, they're part of the family. Did you know you're not supposed to make them a separate part of the family? They're your family. There's supposed to be a reconciliation there. And I didn't say anything about that weird uncle that everybody... Or anyway, uh, look at Colossians chapter 1. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, look at verse number 18. And he is the head of the body, speaking of Jesus, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell, having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to what? Reconcile all things unto himself by him. I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated in enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which we have preached to every creature which is under heaven, wherefore I, Paul, made it minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and will fill up that which is behind of the affliction of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Now look at me. 
talks about us being enemies and then being reconciled. Part of the family of God. Ah, I love it. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Keep going to the right. Hebrews chapter 2. If you get to the book of James or 1 Peter, you went too far. Hebrews chapter 2. Look at verse number 13. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy them that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Guess what? God took the power of death away from the devil. He holds the keys, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, of death and hell. Hmm. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject, uh, subject to bondage. For verily he took, the, uh, took not out uh, on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore all things it behooved him that made him like unto his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God, to make Reconciliation for the sins of the people. Wow. There's some kooks out there that will tell you, well, uh, in the book of Genesis, it talks about the, uh, the sons of God had children with the daughters of men. And those sons of God were angels. And angels were having children with uh, the, the lost people on earth. No. Matter of fact, God just said here in Hebrews chapter 2 that didn't take place because God didn't come in the presence of angels. He came in the, from the seed of Abraham. Angels can't have babies. I hate to tell you this, but babies don't become angels. Angels are created beings. They don't get wings. I don't know if we'll have wings in heaven. If so, I want about 20. I want to fly fast everywhere. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't want to miss anything for eternity, amen? Now, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> that was, I don't know where that came from, but it was pretty good. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Can I tell you something? Uh, we get all these crazy notions. People want to say things that God never said. But when we get saved, we no longer are an enemy of God he reconciles us so that we can be part of the family of God and we can be part of his family, Amen. the church. Yes, now, God's justice and holiness demands separation from sin and from sinners. But the gospel allows for us to have the ability to be reconciled. When you had to punish your children, there's supposed to be a time of separation. Part of the punishment is the separation. Part of it is for you to be under control. The other part is they need to know there's a relationship break. My wife was very good at this with my three kids. If they ever crossed a line and they crossed mama up, they were, they were ready for a whooping before I ever got there. Because they she'd break their heart with, nope, don't want to talk to you. She wouldn't talk to them, sometimes for hours. 
I'd get home and one of my kids would say, will you paddle me so I can talk to mom? What was that? They need to know there's a relationship broken by sin. Maybe we ought to see our relationship breaking God's heart in the separation there. But he makes reconciliation available to us. God wants a relationship with us. He wants us to take time to be talking to him and be intimate with him and uh, to have a relationship with him. Turn to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Many of you ought to memorize this verse. Revelation chapter 4, look at verse number 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things. And for thy, what? Pleasure. Pleasure. They are and were created. Are you part of something that he created? That means you are created for his pleasure, not for your pleasure. We have a world that is stealing God's pleasure, and they're living for the pleasure of their own life. Baseball stadiums, football stadiums, basketball, professional sports, uh, whatever, the, the lake, fishing, anything that people want to do instead of fellowshipping with God, and they're taking what God wants in a relationship and stealing it from him to do what they want to do. Their hobby and their time is more important than their God. Well, I only have one day a week, preacher, and it's Sunday, and that's my day. How about it being God's day? Amen. You see, he wants us to share life, not just be used as an ATM. Go to, back to Ephesians chapter 5. Too many Christians use God as an ATM and just go to him because they need money or they need something. Well, I hate to tell you something. Without a relationship, you aren't going to get it what you want. One of the last time, by the way, I tell, I tell people who are struggling in their marriages this. If you would have a better relationship with one another, you won't have to worry about what you want. You'll be more concerned about giving than getting, and the getting's pretty good when you're not wondering whether you're going to get or not. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse number 17. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Oh, so God says this is my will, correct? Here it is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with with the Spirit. God's will is that we would be filled with the Spirit, not filled with the spirits. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. By the way, that's why one of the first things to go in a fundamental church is the music. They start singing their little ditties and start getting the honky-tonk and start getting this new modern breathy garbage and wiggling all around. And then they get into the little bit more orchestration and then they get into the drums and then they get into the praise and worship teams. And then you get a rock concert at church. I watch it happen all the time. Verse 20, giving thanks 
always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Notice it says submitting yourselves one to another. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You don't demand somebody follow you. You don't demand, you don't, oh, bless God, I'm the head. God never did that to you one time in the church. You're leading like the devil in the world, not like God. God God gave to the church. Notice what it says. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh. Men are selfish. Yeah, that's true. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Now watch this. For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. (laughs) You ain't kidding. Uh, But I speak concerning Christ and the church. God's talking about the church, and he's using marriage as an illustration of the church. Now watch this. Nevertheless, let every one of you in so particularly love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. In other words, get your eyes off yourself and give each other what they need and want. And uh, by the way, don't go around asking for it. They ought to be looking for it. Hmm. Maybe God wants to share life with us, not just be an ATM machine. Not just pull up, hit the number, get what you need, drive off. Thanks. See you next time. That's how the average Christian treats God. I got six minutes. Hurry. God gives every believer, then, a ministry. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. As far as I can tell, the only ministry God has given every Christian is this one ministry. Just one. I've never seen elsewhere in the Bible where it commands everybody to have the same ministry other than right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 17 again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ 
and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Notice what God said there. Reconciling lost people to himself. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now look at me. That's why we don't stand somebody up here and have them tell you all the bad things they did. Well, there's certain sins the whole church should know about. That's not the ministry of reconciliation. That's the ministry of gossip. It's wrong. Verse number 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you or beg you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Doesn't sound like they're going around judging people to, well, they said they're saved, but they're not acting like it. They, they say they are, but by the way they live. You don't have the ministry of reconciliation. You have the ministry of an evil tongue and, and being con- condemning and judgment. You have the ministry of Satan at that moment. God said it's our job to reconcile them and to rebuild their relationship with God, not criticize them because they don't do everything we do the way we do it when we do it. Well, who died and made you God? For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now listen to me very carefully here. This is why the church is supposed to be a hospital, not a museum. A place where people come to get help, not where people are supposed to be perfect to walk through the door. This is why we're to get the gospel out so that man can be reconciled to God. Our ministry is to reconcile people with God. That means A, get them the gospel so they can get saved. B, not judge them once they are saved for not being what we think that they ought to be. Boy, that's good stuff. Amen, preacher. This is why we're to get strays back and not judge them. We represent him. He said we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is one who represents someone from another country. My job as a Christian is to represent another country. And that one from the other country is God. And uh, an ambassador is not there to criticize the country he's in. He's there to represent the mission by the one who sent him. In other words, we ought to be what he wants us to be. Let's dress the part, let's talk the part, let's act the part, let's be the part. That's what he's saying. God gives us the ministry of reconciliation. I didn't say it, God did. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, sorry. To wit, verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us... The word of reconciliation. 
verse 18, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. If God's not imputing their trespasses, why do Christians want to impute other Christians' trespasses? If God's not keeping track of it, why are you? I've got to quit. Let me read my conclusion and I'm done. Just as the fetus cannot conceive itself, nor can it grow its own body filled with systems on its own, you can't reconcile yourself except for getting saved. The moment you get saved, reconciliation comes to you. Now watch this. Just as the fetus has to rely on the mother for life in the womb. That's your umbilical cord for spiritual life and the Holy Spirit. That's what attaches you. That's what gives you the nourishment and the growth. It cleans you out. It takes care of all the systems necessary through that book and the Holy Spirit right there. You need to be born again. Oh, I'm going to make a statement and then we're going to pray. We commit spiritual abortion when we don't get the gospel out. We are murdering people by being too afraid to give them the gospel. We're sending them into a devil's hell. Spiritual abortion when we don't get the gospel out. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. My question is, are you going to do it? Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. What a powerful truth. The ministry of reconciliation. Are you willing to just get the gospel out? Are you willing to quit judging everybody and just start reconciling people? Are you willing to get people in a good relationship with God? Just as he gave himself, we have to give ourselves.